This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to remind you, peace of mind is tough to come by these days unless you have a Liberty Safe. With a Liberty Safe, you won't worry when you leave the house because you'll know your valuables are protected. And right now, you can get free delivery to your home on any Liberty Safe. Go to LibertySafe.com for factory direct pricing. LibertySafe.com, made in the USA, lifetime warranty, and peace of mind. LibertySafe.com. Glenn Beck, the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America, and welcome to the Glenn Beck Program. Glad you guys are here. We have people from all over the country today. Um, What do you want to talk about? I have a few things I want to talk to you about. Uh, French Revolution, uh, the the growth or the uh, or the shriveling up of the church. Um, I want to talk to you about my personal situation uh, of dinner every night that I think explains what's happening in our country and also what we have in common. We can start on any of those, or we can start with you. Yes. Okay. Hang on. Go ahead. Thank you. Um, I have a few TV programs that I like to watch. Yes. And I always watch it on Verizon On Demand. And I do Madam Secretary. And their opening number was all about global warming. And I was just like, oh, no. And then I get trivia questions every day to keep my mind alert. And the trivia history for Monday was about Columbus because they said that the 10th was Columbus Day. And in my teacher background, I'm thinking, no, it's not. (laughs) And it was very derogatory. It was totally derogatory. So, again, it's, you know, redoing history. And I enjoy your history programs Mm -hmm. and your vault stories. Mm -hmm. And every time you have a clip that I can copy and send out to my friends Mm -hmm. um, to educate them, it's wonderful. What can we do to combat this public um, misconception? Yeah, I I think the – I mean, first of all, um, when it comes to um, Columbus Day – uh, you know, we're, we're so at each other's throats uh, on this, and I wish we would, I wish we could find some common ground. Uh, I think it's someplace in the Netherlands, they call it, uh, oh, I can't remember now. It's some, I, I, I just read about it the other day, and they call it something different, like uh, people's coming over to, um, you know, uh, another land day or something. I can't remember. They have something like Columbus Day. And instead of honoring the guy who came, they honor, it's like bringing two peoples together day or something like that. That I could live with because that is true. There were pe- people here, we came. But the nonsense that we came and we poisoned them, we brought disease, we did bring disease, but we didn't say, <laughs> You know what I mean? It wasn't intentional. That's just the way. We, people didn't even know about germs. They were fu- Doctors were fighting the concept of germs until around the turn of last century. So the idea that we use today's morality and today's knowledge to go back is nonsense. So the first thing we have to do is, I think, keep our minds open, have others keep their minds open to new ideas, new ways to express, but also to... Um, Make sure that we are not allowing people to recast history with today's viewpoints. We're going to be remembered 
as horrible. At some point, we're going to be remembered as we're going to be remembered as the group of Americans that produced Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and said those are the best two we've got. Now they're not going to understand that a hundred years from now. They're not going to understand this. They're not going to understand the fighting and the compromise. I was talking to somebody about slavery yesterday. We cut something um, in the vault, and it, it was on slavery. And the founders, they made the compromise because there was no way they were going to be able to cobble together the 13 states. And so they made a compromise, and they said, okay, we lose everything we've just fought for, or we say... Okay, in 1808, no more slave trade. And the southern states took that because they said, well, we're going to be able to figure something out by 1808. And the founders uh, took that because they said, and we'll be able to find a way to end it by 1808. Okay? They made that compromise. And everybody was screaming and yelling at each other, you sold out, you're a traitor, yada, yada. Nobody understood. The purists didn't understood, didn't understand because it was either righteous and had to be done, we had to have slaves, or it was evil and it could never be done. Well, they made the same kind of compromise that people are making today. People who aren't happy about voting for Donald Trump or the people who aren't happy about voting for Bill Cl- or, or Hillary Clinton. And they're doing it anyway because they think the other one is the devil himself. We haven't changed. We haven't changed. We're doing the same things over and over. The idea is, can we become better people while we flounder? Can we leave markers along our lifetime that says, we're trying, we're really trying, we don't have the answers. You will look back at our time and say it was simple, but for us living it, it was really difficult. We tried. Or the worst case scenario is we'll be remembered as horrible people that produced horrible things and didn't care. That's what I love about so many Americans and so many people in this audience, is we all care. We, we may get it wrong, but we're really trying. And that's the most important thing, that we try. Anybody else? Who else? Jeffrey, over here, can we get a mic? So to that point, though, we're, there is no compromise. There's no art of compromise today. If you're one way, it's, you're, you're either yeah. one way or another, there is no middle. How, <laughs> how do we convince people to uh, just because, you know, if you only agree with me eight out of ten times, that doesn't make you 20% my enemy. How do we get people to come together over that? Monday, I am having the author, um, and I'm going to be doing, I'm going to have him on the radio, and then I think we're doing maybe two or three shows that you'll see on television. Um, He's the author of The Pendulum. And the theory of the pendulum is, is that you go to a we generation and a me generation. The me generation, everybody thinks the me generation is the bad one because it's me, 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 me. Um, but history will show us, and he's tracked it back as far as you can go back. The me generation never usually produces the genocidal monsters that, you know, the Hitlers and the Stalins and the Mussolinis. Those aren't produced 
by the me generation because there's not enough cohesiveness to hold people together unless it is have a Coke and a smile. That comes from the beginning of the me generation. You know, I want to teach the world to sing and we're going to all get together in perfect harmony and have a Coke. That comes from that generation. The We are now, uh, since I think it's 2003, we have now swung past the, the middle point. It's an 80-year total cycle. So 40 years up, uh, 20 years up, 20 years down, center, 20 years up, 20 years down. We, me and we. We are now here. By 2023, we'll be here at the apex, the height of the we generation. The last three we generations were the uh, World War II, the 1930s and 40s. Before that, the last we generation was the, 19, uh, the 1860s with the Civil War. And over in Europe was the um, Spring of Nations uh, with Karl Marx. Uh, and then the one before that over in Europe was Robespierre, and we had the American Revolution. So it depends on who you're led by. If you're led by an Abraham Lincoln, you will go the good way. But as a group, the we generation is always marked not by um, how we can bring different points of view together, but it's how many people I can exclude I can gather more people by saying, you're a bad guy, and we're going to get these guys. You're my team, and we're good. These guys are evil. Okay, That's the mark. You categorize people. That's why genocidal maniacs happen, because the people start to dehumanize people and say, they're evil. And if they're not with us, they have to be destroyed. Okay, So you have to know, when I talked to him, I called this author... Oh, people have been trying to get me to read this book for I don't know how long. And I finally read it. And I read it. I picked it up and I read it in about two hours because uh, it is just, it's fantastic. Um, and I called the author and it happened to be the week that I published um, that New York Times story that gave me so much love and on uh, Black Lives Matter, where I wrote an editorial in the New York Times that said, I don't agree with Black Lives Matter. I don't agree with their leadership, but we have to listen to the people who are following the leaders. The leaders may have their own agenda that's not capitalism, it's communist and everything else. But there's a lot of people that feel something that maybe we should listen to. And maybe we should recognize and reach out and try to talk to those people. I got a lot of heat from both sides. Um, on that. And I called the author and he just laughed. And he said, I read your piece in the New York Times. And I said, oh, good. And he said, you know, that's not going to work, right? And I said, gosh, that's not what I was hoping to hear from you because you've studied the we generation over centuries. You've never seen anybody diffuse this. Has this never gone the other way? He said, no, it always goes that way. It always goes that way. But if there's a leader, if there are people that will stand their ground 
and not move, they will be okay. But they have to understand there's a difference in the next, now, 30 years of doing good and doing well. And you have to choose. Coke could do well by teaching the world to sing, and Coke could do good by teaching the world to sing in the me generation. In the we generation, to do well, you must give blood. You must pound people and, and define yourself by who your enemies are. Okay? You can't do this, but you can still do good. And this is why, when you look back in history, the people like Bonhoeffer, people like Gandhi, people like Abraham Lincoln, they were standing against what the public wanted. The public didn't want that. Gandhi went on a hunger strike against his own people. We think of Gandhi in the hunger strike, and he's striking hunger strike. When you ever hear of a hunger strike, it's always because somebody's saying, the big government's got to stop. No, that's not Gandhi. Gandhi said, my people have to stop. If you are thinking of you're a follower of mine, I disavow you if you go to violence. You are not my enemy, and they are not my enemy. And I don't want to be a part of this world, and I won't be a part of this movement if that's where you go. That's Gandhi. And it's why these people are not necessarily liked in their time, because they're out of step. And it takes maybe sometimes 20 years for the pendulum to get out of that and back into the me category. And that's when people go, my gosh, look at that. Look at that. I've said to you since I was on Fox, I've grown up my whole life um, wondering who my family was. I didn't, I didn't, I never did any genealogy, nothing. I was just me, my family, and my grandparents. And that's it. It never went any further than that. And I wondered as I grew up and I learned about Germany and what happened there. Well, my name's Beck. I know we're German. What the heck were my people doing? Were any of my people monsters? I don't know. And I'll bet you if they were, the Beck family over there hasn't talked about it. Because nobody wants to talk about that time period in history. And I don't know if you remember me ever saying this, but it should be all of our goals. We should be glad that we are living in times like these. We're given the opportunity to become much greater than those who live in a me generation because they have the ability to just make it about them. They They have the ability to build great things and to do great good and also do really well. We have to choose Am I going to do well or am I going to do good? It's, the struggle is much more noble to do good than well. I've, what I've said to you is, let's not repeat 
if times of real struggle come, and we're not even close to those, but if times of real struggle comes, let's give our children something to look back and say, my dad stood. I remember when everyone was going in that direction and my parents, they couldn't believe it. And they said no, and they stood, and the onslaught was amazing. But my dad never wavered. My mom never wavered. They never engaged and called people names. Wow. What a legacy your kids will have. I don't know how you get your friends. I think that's kind of like asking, trying to solve the puzzle that we have been trying to solve. How do we get the president to do X, Y, and Z? Can't. Out of your hands. You can't solve anybody else. The answer for the president has always been, he is a product of us. Solve us. Solve our families. And everything else will fall in line. Worry about yourself and your family. And the road will either be easy or rocky, but it will be worth walking. Back in a minute. Shirley. My biggest question is, and I'm, I, I'm not, I hate this election. I wish it was over. Me I too. really do. I just, Counting the days. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, my biggest thing is religion in this election. I have think I've been told that if I don't vote for Trump, I'm not a good Christian. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in Jesus. Um, if you don't? Yes, if I yeah. don't vote for Trump. I'm not a Jesus <laughs> follower. I'm not a good Christian. Uh, I've been told that God, God can work through Trump. I don't get that, but whatever. I mean, if God's so small that he can only work for Trump and not through Hillary, I don't, whatever. <laughs> um, I'm just, I have wondered that, too. Yeah, I know. Why, I just, how that, can God use Trump but not Hillary? Hillary. That is an interesting It's such a small... Yeah. Stupid argument. I just, I don't even want to go there. Yeah. Personally, I don't see how you read some of the comments you get. It, I, I had to get off Twitter because of that. Yeah, I couldn't I stand it. Yeah. Um, so how, how do we deal with churches right now or that? You know what's really interesting? Uh, I think it's in Isaiah. And I will clean out my own house first. And his house is being cleaned. His house is being cleaned. You see who, I mean, there's these guys in the Bible, uh, there are two Timothys. There's a, a number one Timothy and then a two Timothy. And you should read the two Timothy because he says um, exactly how you're supposed to uh, vote, what you're supposed to look for in a leader. There are 14 different things. I read them on the radio today. I got to... Uh, 13 on one of them that they didn't have, and the other one didn't have 12 of them. I mean, <laughs> there's no way. Now, you can listen to your pastor or whatever, but I- I'm going to listen to the Bible, and because everything that it says there is really basic. It's, they should be honorable. They should be kind. They should be gentle. They shouldn't be prone to outbursts and violence. They shouldn't be pitting people against each other. They should be loyal in their marriage to their spouse. I mean, it's really basic stuff. It's not like, well, and they also must pray to me 17 times a day. And it's really basic stuff. 
And when we can't get really basic stuff done, you got to turn your back on that. And people have said to me, um, Supreme Court, I know, I know, I got it, I got it. Supreme Court. And you know what that'll do, Glenn? That'll mean the churches will come under persecution. Maybe they should. Maybe they should have to work a little harder for their Christianity. It, it has become a country club. You know where the churches are flourishing? In places like China. When I go over to Syria and I meet with the Christians, one, one Christian group were about to move, and I, I can't give you much detail on this um, for their security. We're about to move a whole neighborhood, a whole section of these Christians. They have been being chased by ISIS. And before they got out of their, uh, out of their village, it is the burial site of a very important Old Testament Jewish prophet. They dug the body up and they took the body and reverently placed it in another box and have now, they're now in hiding with this Jewish prophet's body to preserve it from the Old Testament. Jewish. These people know why they're alive. These people know who they serve. When I go over there and I talk to these people, it is awesome to meet them. They're not sad. They're not whining. They're not, they're not saying, oh my gosh, this persecution. I expected that because some of their family members are being beheaded. I expected them to say, where's the world? They were filled with joy. They could die today and they'll be fine. A little persecution, I not want that, but a little persecution for the churches might be a darn good thing. It might be a really good thing because we have lost what it even means. We're worried about our income tax. Wow, that's our persecution. We'll have to pay income tax. Oh my, well, I'll do anything for the Lord. That's amazing to me. Yes, sir. I brought my 16-year-old daughter and wife today. And having, and having a good time, I see. Yes, we are. Yes. <laughs> um, it was a little surprising that she wanted to come because I can never get her to watch your morning show. Oh, sorry but for that. She did want to come. Okay. She's very, she, I'm very proud of her. At 16 years old, she's very smart, very intuitive, and she wants to know things. How do we capture more of her generation? How do we get them to engage Learn how to engage at their level. They are a really remarkable generation. Um, The millennials get a really bad name from the uh, right, I think. Um, And the left just uses the millennials. I think the millennials, and they're about to, I think they're about to turn on, you know, the people like, you know, the DNC. Um, And not not, not that they're coming our way. They just are sick of being used. Um, They can see through things that fast. Um, And I think they are here for a reason. I think they are born at this time because they're the generation that is going to fix it and change it. And they actually see the new world coming. And just like when we were 16 or 20, I remember looking at the world, you know, back in the 80s with the nuclear bombs and... It was scary. Back in the 70s and the 80s, it was frightening. And I remember thinking, 
That's all the old people did that. All the old people screwed this thing up. Well, we're going to make things different. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's their job. They're, they're doing the right thing by saying, I'm pushing back against that because things are changing. But the way they talk to each other, the, the way they can communicate, the, um, just, just the device, the communication devices alone, and the way they see things getting done. We see things getting done almost like an assembly line. You know, I've got to pass this gate, this gate, this gate. They don't. They see, here's the finish. Why are you guys doing that? Why are you doing all those things? You don't have to. Just use this app. You know what I mean? So learn how to speak their language. Their job is to not dismiss. They should dismiss all of our bullcrap. You know, I love, I love my children, especially when they're under 10, because they're brutally honest. The closer you can get to like six, uh, we should have a six-year-old in the Oval Office at all times. Because the, a six-year-old will say, that doesn't make any sense. Well, didn't you just say, you said lying is wrong. And that's what we need. And that's what, they're not that simplistic, but they see things that we're wrestling with. And we have this institutional knowledge of, you can never fix it. I've tried. I've tried. I can never fix it. They're not there. They haven't tried. They should learn the good stuff that we have, the seasoning that we have, the truth of history that we have, the perspective that we have. We should listen to them and see what they know, try to speak their language because they're never talking to them about the founding fathers. You know, think about this. Who was uh, who was president 40 years before you were born. Wilson? Wilson? Ooh, sorry. Um, ooh, boy, that's a bad omen. Um, uh, of me, I think it was Truman, maybe? Truman? I, I, I don't know that much about Truman. Now, if everybody in my life when I was coming of age at 20, they were all saying, you know, we just need to have it like it was when Truman was president. I wouldn't relate to it at all. What are we saying to our kids? Reagan. They don't relate to Reagan at all. Let's look forward. Let's let's dream a new dream. Let's see what it can be. Because the possibilities, when you talk to your daughter... If she is aware of what is happening, not in culture, but what is coming, the, the possibilities with just high tech alone, the possibilities, the way things are changing, all of these arguments are going to be for naught soon. Because the world is entirely changing. Hang on to each other. Hang on to each other and learn from each other. Back in a minute. Frank and then Brian. Frank. Okay. Uh, Glenn, a few days ago, you asked if um, God needed the U.S. And I immediately said, no. I think. Um, we need him. Or, yeah. Yeah. Did I say that wrong? Okay. Uh, does God need the U.S.? Yeah. We need him. Uh, I'm not a 
biblical scholar, but I'm a biblical student. Um, I think in the last maybe two or three years, I've been going back into the Old Testament, and I think we are a rerun of the Old Testament where they turned away from God like we are. And I'm thinking about, boy, you know, he he kept giving the Israel uh, Israelites so many chances, you know. And um, so do you uh, see it in that... Um, yeah, Something I'm like just I'm looking at Ellen because um, I, I, I've had this thought um, for a while, but people aren't going to like it. And I'm not saying this is just this is what just keeps coming to me in my prayers. Um, so take it with a grain of salt. This is not what I'm saying is happening. This is just the way I view it. OK, this is what I got from the story of Jeremiah. Every time I pray on. OK, so what, what, what do you do? Every single time I just hear the story of Jeremiah. And what is the story of Jeremiah? Jeremiah goes to the king of Israel, and they're all together, but they're pretty bad. And uh, he says, hey, (laughs) don't do any of that stuff anymore. God's kind of smoked. And uh, the king is like, ah, relax. Okay, time goes on. They now um, start to, uh, they're worse and they're doing trading now and doing things with Babylon. God doesn't like it. Jeremiah is like, hey, stop. Don't. Really. Bad idea. They don't stop. The king is even greedier and now thinks he can take over Babylon and, and unite with Egypt. And then Israel and Egypt will take over. Jeremiah finds out. But so does the king of Babylon, right? Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar starts to march on Israel. That's the last warning. And the last warning was, hey, he's coming. You guys deserve what you get. God's telling me now there are no shortcuts. Take the slavery. It'll be better if you take the slavery. What does the king say? That's outrageous. No way we're going to take the slavery. We're going to be slaves to no man. Are you kidding me? Well, maybe we can win. Maybe there's a miracle. Maybe there's a shortcut. No. Sometimes you have to pay the price for what you've done. We keep, we're looking at a... T- Donald Trump is tarp. We have looked for a bailout. Anything... If I said to you, I have to violate the free market system to save the free market system, what would you say? What are our preachers saying? I have to, val- I have to violate my Christian values to save my Christian values. It's as nuts as tarp. Take the slavery. Take it. You will grow. in. Look, you know what, you know what a miracle has happened that None of us have recognized. Miracle has already begun to happen. You talked earlier about how, how we are, we're all just getting beaten in the head and you don't even know how to relate to people anymore. But I will bet you that there are other people that you didn't think you agreed on and would have never thought that they agreed with you. You're now talking to each other going, this is nuts, right? Is that true for anybody? Right? 
We're being pushed out of our comfort zone. That's good. We're discovering, wait a minute, wait a minute. There are people that I'm around that I thought were in my group that are on the fringes over here. And I've been told I can't relate to anybody over here. And I can't relate to those people way over there. But the people standing right here, they're finding out they can't relate to that edge either. A new core is being birthed of reason. And the edges are always, always going to try to pull you into that, especially in a we generation. They're going to try to say, everybody in the middle, you are awful. And the fringes, that's what... Hitler wasn't mainstream. (laughs) Mussolini wasn't mainstream. Stalin wasn't mainstream. Mao wasn't mainstream. Pol Pot was not mainstream. It wasn't the center that said, he's a great guy. It was the edges. I contend we still surround the bad guys. It's just not with the same people that we thought. (laughs) Half of our forces are the people that we have said we have nothing in common with. We may not vote the same way, but I'll bet you if we look at the Bill of Rights, we agree with 7 out of 10 of the Bill of Rights. I bet you we agree with that, where even our own side now is saying, i gotta, I got to silence the press. I might, I just go, we're going to go into Iraq and take the oil. Uh, we might just have to shoot people. Uh, their families to teach those people a lesson. I, I'm going to force businesses to come back to America. Find those in the Bill of Rights. Those violate everything in the Bill of Rights. Brian. Glenn, first of all, thank you very much for all that you do. Thank you. I heard you say a number of years ago that um, you didn't think that there were star t- uh, chambers <laughs> of planning. Yeah. But many people will agree that there is an agenda that the progressives have. Yes, on both sides of the aisle. You have such tremendous insight in these sort of things when you see the first steps that you can pick out what's coming. Do you have any insight that you want to talk about uh, into what might be in store for their next few moves, especially since we will probably get that? with the next no i i can't figure out i can't figure out what's happening with russia right now um you know george soros has just popped in and syria there he's now supporting um global action in syria worst thing we can do um because we're going into syria to to destabilize even more assad is a horrible human being. Let's stop destabilizing the Middle East. We've seen what that has already done. Russia, we are so weak. Russia is only in there for the oil pipeline. That's all they want. They don't care about anything else. The oil pipeline. Now they are in with Assad and they're in with Iran. That's not a good combination in the Middle East. I don't think we want to fight Russia, uh, Syria, Uh, and Iran. I think that would be a colossally bad uh, idea. Who are our friends? ISIS? No, thank you. Don't want any of that. So he's pushing for the globe to come together, and I don't know what that means yet. Meanwhile, Donald Trump is, is either completely blind to what's really happening in the world with Russia, or he's a useful idiot, um, uh, and I think that's probably 
more the case. He doesn't care. Um, I don't think he's in on anything, but he is completely blind to what is coming our way from Russia. And because of Soros's connection to Hillary, I don't know what Hillary is going to do with Russia either. But Russia is go- Russia. We are at war with Russia, whether we want to admit it or not. We are at war with Russia. Um, and that's not my words. That's their words. Uh, Putin was just over the summer with a group of Western reporters. And he sat around a conference table and he said, I don't, I've been trying to tell your leaders this in the West. You reporters, maybe you can tell them. You keep going down this road and we're in World War III. And I keep telling them they won't listen to me. I mean, it was almost that clear. We're not, we're not paying attention to that. I think um, what's coming is um, the alt-right is not going away after, um, after this election. It's going to get worse. Um, you're going to see um, Russia make a move, and you're going to see economic problems, I think, in 2017. But I'm usually wrong on timing and stuff. Didn't he just conduct some emergency drills in Moscow? Yeah, emergency drills in Moscow affecting 40 million people, um, preparing for a nuclear war. That was announced on their television, their um, state-run television. Um, That happened last week. This week he called all uh, all people who are abroad, all Russian citizens who are abroad, to have their children pulled out of school and returned to the motherland immediately. If you have a kid in school anywhere, you pull them out and you come home to the motherland. Two things on that. He is exerting his power with his own people and saying, you answer to me and don't you tell... I'm, he's on a jihad against how bad the West is. I'm not going to have my elites and my oligarchs taking their kids over to Harvard, our universities, enroll them in our universities. So he's gone national, which is very, very spooky. There is also... Um, speculation from some people in Russia because of what the, I think the number two guy in the Duma said um, yesterday that if America votes for Donald Trump, we are you, you will see a reign of Hiroshima's and Nagasaki's that World War Three and nuclear war will happen. I think that's a lot of hyperbole, but they are positioning themselves in a spooky, dangerous way I haven't seen since Reagan was in office. Back in a minute. Matt. I, uh, I've pretty much given up on this election. <laughs> I, I'll vote, but and I've talked to my kids a lot, but my kids will vote in the 2024 election, 2028, 2032, as far as presidential elections go. And I'm just wondering what it's too late, you know, probably even the next two years, even 2020, we're probably, of course, has probably been largely set. But what do I what do we do? to? OK, you can't look at it that the course is largely set and it's critically important because we're not even up at the top of the cycle of the we generation. The top of the cycle is 2022 or 2024, 23, 2023. So that's the top. Then we have 20 years coming down. So we're not even halfway through this cycle. So you cannot say, oh, well, it's too late. No, no, no. We have to plant the seeds. No, we have to deepen the roots. 
of righteousness and decency and find ways. You know, this is why I went over to Poland and I asked um, Paulina, this sweet lady who, imagine this, she saved all these Jews um, and smuggled them and hid them in a barn. She saved, I don't remember how many, I think a hundred, her and her family. It was a death sentence for her to do it. I went over to Auschwitz and I brought my family over. This is five years ago. And I said to my family before we went, you have to read about the righteous of the nations. Everybody has to pick one person that did something grand and decide who you're going to be. Because as a family, we decide now when a storm comes, who are we going to be? And I arranged for us to meet this woman. And uh, we talked and we did a documentary on it. And, um, and the cameras went away and it was just the two of us. And I said, Paulina, the tree of righteousness is in all of us. How do I water it? Because there were only 6,000 people that stood. Now that was a lot. And you think of her, death sentence to save these people. Then... The communists came in. They were killing the Jews too. She couldn't talk about what she did until the wall came down. Okay? People on the other side knew her. No, no, her neighbors, the, the Jews she saved, they had to change their name in the, in the uh, return email address when they sent her, they would send her money. And they would change the name so there was no Jewish person and they would, so they would say, what are these Jews sending you money for? So she had to keep it quiet. And she said, Glenn, the righteous didn't suddenly become righteous. They just refused to go over the cliff with everybody else. So it's not some grand thing. It's really not. I used to look at it, before I met her, I looked at standing as something really hard. I've got to be a better, no, you don't. No, you don't. You just have to know where the polar star is. That's it. That's it. No, guys, you're moving. Stop. Stop moving. Stop moving. We're not moving. You're moving. No. No, you're moving. I know where my polar star is. How many times have you heard, you've changed? You've changed. My gosh, you weren't like this before. No, I haven't changed. You have. That's what she meant. The rest of the society is going to go over a cliff. And they are blaming us and saying, you guys have changed. You're moving. No, you're walking off a cliff. So the most important thing we can do is teach our children, know what the polar star is. Know where you stand. And when that star field starts to roll back this way, you can let your guard down and say, okay, But until then, the star field is rolling the other direction and everybody is moving. Plant your feet. Does that help? Jeffrey, how much time do I have? Oh, 30 seconds. Quick, do you have a... How do I find other people like-minded in my area? How do I get together? I don't know because social media, social media is so dangerous now. Social media is just, it makes you a target for venom. I don't know. It's, I mean, maybe time for another, for the 912 project to, to kick back in. Because that was never about policies that should have always been about principles. Thanks. Back in a minute. 
going to take us out closing prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank thee so very much for the privilege of coming together as Americans from all over the country to celebrate our freedoms and to recognize thy hand in all that we do. We ask thee to please be with each of us as we go that we might think kind thoughts of others, be open and willing to listen and to learn. Please keep us safe throughout this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Thank you. From Dallas, good night, America. Experts at Web.com want to build your business a successful website for free, just like we did for these current Web.com customers. We've used and and looked at other website designers, but there's nobody better than Web.com. Web.com can build your website in as little as seven days free. Plus, we'll promote it on all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, and Bing. If after 30 days you're happy, we'll continue to provide promotion, hosting, support, and maintenance, all for one low monthly fee. If not, cancel and pay nothing. If you're in business today and you don't have a web presence, you won't be taken seriously. Call right now and you'll also get a free .com or .net domain name for your new website powered by VeriSign, the world's leading domain name provider. Call 800-490-1099 or go to web.com slash radio. That's 800-490-1099. No upfront charge for site build, after which ongoing fees apply. Rights to site are relinquished when canceled. Domain included during active service, after which fees apply.